We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. We have made it to the final uh, football Friday of the season uh, on this uh, Friday night. In this uh, 6 o'clock hour, we'll be with you until 6.30. We'll get to the football. We'll get to the picks, everything else, as we uh, take a last look here at uh, the game as we head towards Super Sunday. Um, Two things. One, obviously, that will be an emotional scene. The, The last part of this, other than the stuff that will be family-oriented um, would be the Lakers coming back. So that will be obviously a uh, very emotional, very emotional thing uh, this evening. Number two, um, I wanted to mention the uh, retirement of Curtis Granderson. You know, Fifteen years from now, no one in in this town is going to think very that much about Curtis Grandison when we when they talk and they're doing sports talk twenty years from now. You know, they'll they'll pull out the stuff and and talk about Thurman Munson or Don Mattingly. They'll talk about obviously Derek Jeter and that great Yankee run. They'll they'll say you know. Was the Grom really that good? Hopefully they're talking about Alonzo's home runs by then. But a guy like Granderson, he'll fall somewhere in the middle there and he'll get lost. But you know what? Granderson had a really, I thought, a very interesting baseball career. First of all, he always caught my eye when he was with the Tigers because, you know, when I, you don't usually see guys hitting 20 triples. And I always liked him. So when the Yankees got him, I was fascinated by him, but he was not the same player when the Yankees got him that he was in Detroit. First of all, he wasn't as good an outfielder as I thought he was. Secondly, he became a dead pole hitter who, who basically fell in love with the porch and stop doing what he did when he'd have, you know, 38 doubles and 20 triples and 20 homers in Detroit, he obviously said, you know what? I'm going to get pull happy here, and I'm going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, as he did hitting 41 and 43 homers for the Yankees. And as you know, he, is, he loved hitting the Yankee Stadium. When he went back to Yankee Stadium, he hit home runs. He was grooved into the Yankee Stadium. He was made for the – there are guys who are made for the lower porch. 
Okay, the guys who were made for the lower deck. Bobby Mercer was made for the lower deck and right. All right, uh, a guy who played for the Tigers, a little second baseman named Dick McAuliffe, was made for the Yankee Stadium lower deck and right. Granderson was made for the lower deck and right. I mean, he had a grooved swing to flip the ball into the seats in the lower deck and right. Some guys just do. And now a lot of righties have taken to doing it and have gotten very good at it. I mean, Jeter was very good at it. With that inside-out, Jeterian swing of his, he could dump him down in there too. But Grandison, he had some, you know, this guy, this guy scored 136 runs for the Yankees one year. That's an outrageous number of runs. I mean, that's a, think about it. You can't find that many times guys score 130 runs in a season. He's got 136 runs. He had 40 home runs twice. He had a year for the Yankees that he had 41 homers, 119 RBIs, and 136 runs scored. That's a sensational season. He went over to the Mets, and he had some very odd years in that he had these wicked slumps. But you know what? When the Mets made their run, he had a great September. I mean, he carried them. And he had some good years for them. I mean, he had 30 homers for them. He had 26 homers for them. He had 30 homers for them. I mean, he had some weird years there, which I'd be the first to admit, because he had some prolonged slumps that were crazy. But he had some really good years there. So to me, always a very intelligent guy, a nice guy. Played 16 seasons. You play 16 seasons in the majors, and you hit 40 homers for the Yankees twice, and you hit 30 homers for the Mets, you know, and you play in big games for the Yankees, and you play in big games for the, for the Mets. And you wind up hitting, you know, 350 doubles and 350 homers. Not exact, like 340-something and 346 doubles and 344 homers or whatever it was. And I always thought if you, I always thought if you scored 1,000 runs or you knocked in 1,000 runs, and especially if you did both, you had a really good career. It's not easy to score 1,000 runs. It's not easy to knock in 1,000 runs. And this guy... Scored 1,200 runs, almost knocked in 1,000 runs, and hit 344 home runs. That's a heck of a career. Not a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't tell you that he was. By any, you know, the guy hit 250 for his career. His batting average, once he learned to pull at Yankee Stadium, just kept going down and down and down. As you know, he became just a crazy pull hitter. Early in his career, I mean, he sprayed the ball around, hit 270, hit 280, hit 302, but that was, that was when he was playing a little differently. When he came there and saw the, light, saw the, the friendly combines, all he wanted to do was hit home runs. But you know what? I thought he had a heck of a career. I really did. I thought he made an impact. And I'm not telling you he's going to be an all-time anything or an all-time Yankee or an all-time Met or an all-time great or a Hall of Fame. He's not any of that stuff. But that's a guy that, like I said, 10 or 15 years ago from now, no one will even think of remembering him. But he, he had an impact here. He really did. So 
A tip of a hat for a good career. I like Randerson. Now the Super Bowl. Finally. We are finally there. It hasn't gotten the incredible overkill that Super Bowls always get because it's been such a weird couple of weeks from the sign-stealing stuff to all the managerial issues that caused and all the firings and rehirings and press conferences and everything that went on there uh, to now this tragedy that everybody's still trying to dig out from under in L.A. with Kobe Bryant. So it has actually if anything possibly can, it has actually uh, put the Super Bowl on the back burner for a couple of days, which is almost impossible to do. It would take a tragedy the likes of which we've seen uh, from Kobe Bryant to ever do that. Very few things can supplant the Super Bowl. But it actually did for a couple of days. It actually put the Super Bowl on hold. You know, there, there was nowhere in this country for a couple of days. I don't care where you flipped on uh, a show and didn't have to even be a, uh, it could be one of those Entertainment Tonight type shows. You know, it could be one of those magazine shows. It didn't have to be uh, just a sports show, but anything you flipped on, it was going to be about Kobe and his daughter and this horrific accident and the impact and the legacy and what he left behind and, you know, the impact that he had on everybody and, uh, that will even be felt this week as the NFL will even some, in some way pay homage uh, to his passing in the pregame. I don't know exactly how yet, uh, but uh, they'll do, uh, they're going to do something, is my understanding. So it's actually made it a quicker two weeks than we're used to, which is good. Because that can be a little tedious. But this game is, is a fascinating game, I think. Two teams come here playing very well. Two teams with very differing styles. Very efficient at what they do. Storylines abound. Stars abound. Talented players. Speed. Incredible speed throughout the lineup. Not just the Kansas City offense, the San Francisco defense, the San Francisco running backs. I mean, very, very, very quick players. Talented players. And two teams that could not be more different in how they approach things. Makes for a fascinating game. With the first pick in the uh, plumbing and heating supply draft contract to select supplyhouse.com, take uh, the field at supplyhouse.com on Monday, February 3rd, and to get 1% off for each touchdown scored in the big game. So if you're rooting for that, root for a bunch of touchdowns. Take it to the house, supplyhouse.com. So we're finally there. Uh, that's the first of, of a few political commercials you might hear the next couple of weeks and months as we get ready for 10 months of them, especially from uh, that ex-mayor of ours because uh, he's got a couple of bucks, I hear, to spend. Just a few. The broadcasters are going to love him by the end of the year. Man, he's going to spend it like it is going out of style. Um, you know, this game... When you match up Super Bowls, a lot of times you're looking for something to hang your hat on. This game's fascinating from a lot of standpoints. Number one, you have teams that are playing very well coming into the game, which you like. They're confident. 
Someone told me that the Chiefs, I, I haven't been down at the Super Bowl yet this week. I'm going to the game. Um, but they tell me the uh, Chiefs are as loose as any team they've ever seen. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I used to think teams that were tight, you know, Vermeil's team was tight, they lost to the Raiders. Uh, Marv Levy's team was tight, they lost to the Giants. I don't think that's why they lost to the Giants in, in, in Tampa. I just think they were really tight. Um, you don't want to see a team really tight. You don't want to see a, a head coach really tight, but you don't want to see a team going crazy either. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it has an impact. I think so, you know, so many times it comes down to little things. Uh, you have two teams that are, they've been very good all year. You know, I mean, Kansas City, Mahomes has scored over 30 points in each of the playoff, uh, playoff games he's played so far in his career. Uh, he's come from 10 and 24 points back in the last two weeks to win going away. His team is 14 and 4 this year. Really, uh, 13 and 3 with him in the lineup. They won one and lost one with him out. In the three games they lost, they scored first. And in two of the three, the Colts and the Texans, the Colts and the Texans kept the ball for almost 40 minutes in both games. 38 for the Colts, 40 for the Texans. That can't happen this week. That's the biggest fear you have if you're Andy. Uh, Kansas City, I mean, uh, San Francisco is 15 and 3, really out of nowhere. They were in every game to the final minute that they lost. They had an incredible season. You know, um, they both have done a really good job in terms of consistency. Kansas City's been a really good team the second half of the season. They've been a much better defensive team the second half of the season. You know, from that, story, uh, from that standpoint, really have done a good job there. Uh, they played, I, I thought, very sound defense down the stretch. Uh, I think San Francisco was consistent all year. You have two dynamic offensive teams, but very different ones. You have the San Francisco team that plays this really unique zone running game that looks to overpower opponents in a variety of ways. Uh, this is hands down from father to son. Mike Shanahan played this. He has handed it down to Kyle Shanahan. Mike Shanahan won Super Bowls with it. Uh, it is a very hard def- offense to decipher because you can do a lot of different things out of the same personnel. He doesn't give away his running. Like when Tennessee's going to run, you know they're going to run. They have certain personnel in the game, and they're going to run. When they, you know when they're going to pass you and when they're going to run. You, can, you know it as soon as you watch them play. With San Francisco, they're going to pass the ball when you think they're going to run it because they do it out of the same formation, and they do it out of the same personnel. So they don't give you a key as to when they're going to run the ball. And they have been incredibly efficient on first down. Shanahan teams since he's been a coordinator in the league, have been very efficient on first down. Go look at his Atlanta team that blew the big lead to the Pats in the Super Bowl. That team averaged 7.5 yards per play on first down, which was number one in the league. This year, San Francisco is number one in the league on first down. That means a lot of play action on first down. And on first down, Garoppolo is over 12 yards per pass attempt on first down play action. 
they are lethal on first down. In the playoffs so far, Kansas City's averaging over eight yards of pass play on first down, which is outstanding. So these teams are very good. So you have one time, you have the, you have the running game that is the bellwether, which is what makes San Francisco go. The zone running game, they run it inside with the zone, they run it outside with the zone. They play action against it. They play a lot of 21 personnel. They play a lot of 22 personnel. Kansas City will play a lot of three wide receivers. They'll play a lot of 11, Kansas City, a lot of 11. And Kansas City's staple is that they'll give you these four verticals. Andy Reid is the most, while Shanahan's handed down from father to son, are about this zone-blocking running game. And everything's off the running game. Andy Reid is the most pass-happy play caller in the history of the National Football League. Nobody passes the ball more. Everything they do is designed. Now, where Andy has modernized is he has utilized speed dramatically, and he will utilize it with his four verticals. He will also utilize it by making you cover them horizontally, cover them in the running game, from sideline to sideline, understand the run-pass options that they will give you with now you hear all the time the trendy RPO, the idea that they make you cover every blade of grass on the field. They will stretch you horizontally. They will stretch you vertically. They will go to this four-vertical look, which is lethal. They will go to the three wides on one side and the tight end on the other side, which they like to utilize a lot, and then they will flop that with motion and then wind up with Hill and Kelsey on the same side. So they got a million different ways to get people open. And they have a quarterback who's incredibly talented and elusive. He is an incredible talent. There's no question about that. Mahomes has everything. He's got instincts. He's got touch. He's got great arm strength. He's got awareness. He's got the ability to break tackles. He's got an ability to... To, he has the ability to get outside the pocket and basically reset the play. So he, he gets away from they, they collapse the pocket, he gets outside it. Now he starts to roll right. When he starts to roll right, that's the trigger to move. When they move, he now will wait, set, plant, and then he's got his guy. When he plants, he's got his next guy. So you have to stop them twice, not once. That's very hard to do. His ability to run is in a big game like this is a threat. He's got an arm where he can throw the ball 80 yards in the air, and he's got receivers who run like the wind. You have two offenses who on paper look unstoppable in the things they do. What scares you about it from the Kansas City standpoint is if San Francisco is efficient with what they do, then Kansas City, then the Kansas City offense doesn't get on the field. That is the fear you have if you're Kansas City, is I don't want them to do what Indianapolis did. Indianapolis held them to 13 points. How? They never let them get the ball. They got nine possessions in the game. Nine possessions. They ran 74 plays. They rushed for 180 yards. Kansas City ran 57 plays. Throw in a couple of field goals when they got in the red zone, and Kansas City had one touchdown in that game, and they scored first. The next game, the Texans ran 84 plays to Kansas City's 47 plays, and Kansas City lost 
Mahomes lost three times this year. He scored first in all three games he lost, and in all three games, the opposing team ran for big yardage, and two of the three, they kept the ball for almost 40 minutes. And they ran up big numbers on plays, and in neither game did Kansas City touch the ball 10 times. Kansas City needs possessions in this game. If you go in this game, the thing San Francisco wants to do more than anything else is limit the number of possessions that Kansas City has. Special teams, Kansas City's been very sloppy in the playoffs, and San Francisco has not been sloppy at all. Kansas City's been very slow starting. They made a million mistakes, and they've been very sloppy with penalties, very sloppy with special teams mistakes, but they have the better special teams. San Francisco's got the better defense. They have the much better pass rush. Kansas City has one weak link on the offensive line, which they do a good job of covering up. And they're improved defensively over the last six weeks. Spags' defense has really taken hold. And they did a good job of stopping. The score did not stop Tennessee's ground game. Kansas City stopped it before the score stopped it. The score eventually stopped it because it eventually does. When you're up 35-17 and six minutes left, you've got to pass the ball. But before that, they stopped them down after down after down. And Baltimore couldn't. And New England couldn't. But they did. They did by tackling very well in the secondary. Uh, They did by getting Chris Jones to play really well when he played. But they knew what downs to insert Chris Jones in that game because they knew what downs Tennessee was going to run on. They don't know that in this game. So if you like San Francisco in this game, I have no problem with it. They're better balanced. They have the better defense. If your guy goes in and plays defense first, if you're a guy who says, I don't like the quarterback being so re- the team being so quarterback reliant, I like the other team for that, then you go San Francisco. If you like the t- team that's better balanced, you like San Francisco. I've been on Kansas City all year. I, uh, like I said, I thought they could win the Super Bowl last year. They lost a heartbreaking game with D. Ford being offside, which cost them a championship, even though they scored 31 points in the second half against New England, which is outrageous. Andy's team will move the ball here. Andy's team will be very well-versed offensively. When he has two weeks, he is a master. When he had two weeks against New England in the Super Bowl, he moved the ball brilliantly. He just turned it over four times. And then we had the McNabb thing at the end of the game, which nobody understands. This game should be very close. If it's not, that would be the biggest upset of all, is that if one team blew the other one out because they're very equal. They're both very good. Uh, I think we should get a game. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a game. Last person that touches it wins, which will be fun. Um, I've been all week thinking that it's Andy's time. I hope it is. I hope I'm right. And I've been thinking that Mahomes has a little of that magic that he's going to spread all over Miami. Uh, so I think the Kansas City's going to win it. That would make Mahomes the MVP 9 out of 10, although I think Hill's going to have a big game. Um, 33-27, something like that. I'll go Kansas City. I'm not getting off the Chiefs now. I've been on them all year. I've been on them every day since the season started. I'm not getting off them now. So Kansas City by 6. I'm not into whether it's high score or low score. I could care less. Uh, I just hope it's a good game. I hope it's fun to watch. And I hope in the end Kansas City wins it and Andy's got a big old smile on his face 
as he finally gets to hoist that trophy, which will ensure that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, which I think he has richly earned as a coach who's already won 207 games in a stellar career for two teams. So I hope that happens. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you uh, Monday early in the morning, and then, of course, 5 o'clock on Radio.com, 6 o'clock on The Fan. So uh, have a good weekend. It's a nice weekend for family and friends, and uh, so enjoy that. Enjoy uh, your Super Sunday, and we'll talk to you all on uh, Monday. Now, as always, my Super Bowl pick and all my picks brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos, brought to you, brought to you by those who drink it. So this weekend, when you're having your big party, and you'll all be partying somewhere this weekend, and party responsibly, please, wherever that is, uh, you can do a little more so at home, obviously, than if you're on the road, especially don't drink and drive, but uh, go out. And get yourself some Casamigos tequila. You'll be very happy that you did. Uh, one of the great products and, again, very good friends of ours. And, again, always with us as they are all season. We thank them for their patronage. And they'll be with us on the 6 o'clock program uh, all year long. So, again, when you go out this weekend, grab yourself some Casamigos tequila. You'll be very happy that you did. And enjoy your Super Bowl, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.